0: This is the second podcast in the series A History of the Eighteenth Century in Ten Poems, part of the Digital's Miscellany's Index Project at the University of Oxford. I'm Dr Adam Rounce from Manchester Metropolitan University, one of the consultants to the project. The subject of this podcast is sport, specifically Cricket and Heroic Poem by James Dance, first published in 1744 dance later renamed love was an actor and his career was mostly theatrical this is his only significant poem but it's notable for a number of reasons showing how sport was regarded and talked about in the 18th century cricket is a game which has often been associated with english literature and poetry though dance's poem is the first well-known example cricket is a slow game Its most important contests, test matches last for five days and this has always attracted writers and thinkers to the game and produced the thoughtful responses of a literary audience. In recent decades this included the playwright Harold Pinter among many others. Cricket is also a game that revels in nostalgia being a summer game whose English season lasts from April to September and is therefore associated with spring and renewal dance is among many poets to celebrate the coming of the new season and the end of winter. And cricket is a team sport that is made up of individual contests with batsmen versus bowlers which linger in the memory played out as they often are over many hours. Dance's cricket poem is a curious mixture of the grand and the everyday. It's subtitled An heroic poem because, in the tradition of 18th century poems by Pope, Swift and many others, it compares its present-day actions to the classical adventures of ancient Greek and Roman heroes. This is meant to elevate the present day and to prove Dance's argument, which is that cricket is the most noble of all sports, as he declares, Hail cricket, glorious manly British game, first of all sports! be first alike in fame. While the second and third parts of his poem describe an actual cricket match, the first part argues generally that cricket is better than games such as billiards, now more commonly known as snooker or pool, bowls or tennis. This is long before the official formation of football and rugby clubs. All these sports, he argues, take place in confined spaces or make little impression, whereas cricket is a much bigger spectacle. It's also quintessentially English, and Dance is keen to stress how that makes this makes it infinitely superior to decadent continental entertainments. Patriotism means bashing the French and other Europeans for their supposed effeminacy. Whereas English, stroke British cricket, is manly and playing it makes you a better person. He therefore tells his readers to leave the dissolving song the baby dance to soothe the slaves of Italy and France, while the firm limb and strong-braced nerve are thine, scorn eunuch sports to manlier games incline. The poetic phrase eunuch sports here, meaning the weaker Less masculine foreign games, reminds us that dance is not the most subtle of poets. He is, however, enthusiastic, as we see from his description of the start of the game. The stumps are pitched, each hero now is seen, springs o'er the fence and bounds along the green, in decent white, most gracefully arrayed, each strong-built limb, in all its pride displayed. In this interest in clean, decorous appearance with strong-built limbs and graceful white clothing, and also in its interest in heartiness and manliness, the poem anticipates the way that cricket will become such an important part of the British Empire, hence its continued extraordinary popularity today in India and Pakistan, and how it would supposedly help to export English ideas of health. Fair play and honour. The poem also details, in heroic fashion, a real-life game, one of the first for which we have significant records. Dance was himself a cricketer, a member of Richmond Cricket Club in Surrey, and the poem describes a match between the County of Kent and an All England team, arranged by Lord John Philip Sackville, the son of the Duke of Dorset. Sackville played for Kent in the match and would have organised it partly for aristocratic spectators who watched and gambled on such events as they did with that other great sporting enthusiasm of the century, horse racing, hence its being called the Sport of Kings. The match dance talks about took place at the artillery ground near Bunhill Fields, near what is now Old Street Station in London in June 1744. It was one of the first matches for which we have a scorecard, and was thrilling, it would seem. Kent won by one wicket, the closest margin possible, and Dance tells us that three notches, or runs, were needed when the last batsman came to the wicket. These small details make the poem, despite its nationalistic and rather macho moments, a charming portrait of sport in 18th century public life. It's also a useful and rare, time capsule there is little other english poetry like it in the century the great cricket poems would come much later with the victorians such as francis thompson's at lords when nostalgia makes him dream of cricket in his youth for the field is full of shades as i near a shadowy coast and a ghostly batsman plays to the bowling of a ghost dance has no line so memorable but his poem remains a fascinating curiosity nonetheless.